Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. This is Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. We're going streaky! And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia and joined once again, pitch hitting for Chris, Mike Brown. How you doing? Hey Daniel, happy to be on again. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Chris is celebrating a family birthday, so obviously something a little more important, but kind of unfortunate because we are on a little streak as Angel fans, and he's not here to enjoy it. So let's get into it right away, obviously with a three-game series opening up again Kansas City. um, Kind of a disappointing split, I think, uh, you know, when they faced Seattle, the series before this. How how did you feel about it? Were you kind of disappointed with the split? Yeah, I mean, I've... Uh, yeah, I felt a lot of momentum um, in those two middle games, uh, especially after Iglesias had that had that crazy save on, I think it was Friday night, where he came in and just shut it down. It's probably the most electric Angels pitching performance we've seen in like over the course of a couple innings um, in, a, in a very long time. So, yeah, after that, I was like, oh, man, this team's going to get on a roll. Um, didn't happen right away, but uh, I, think, I think the team is uh, – it's definitely playing a lot better now. But, yeah, I would have loved to have gotten that Sunday game against the Mariners, but um, just didn't work out. So we start this game, obviously, Monday. Bundy still looking for his first victory of the year, which is kind of surprising. We are, what, about a month away from the All-Star break, and Bundy's still looking for a first his first W. But he would get yeah. some more support early when Anthony Rendon comes up and does this. What happens on the payoff. It's on its way. It's grounded through the left side. That's going to be a base hit. Shohei Otani's going to be waved home. He better hurry. Here comes the throw. He'll score. And an RBI hit by Anthony Rendon gives the Angels a 1-0 lead. So obviously a 1-0 lead right off the bat, it feels like, with the Angels. But that wasn't it in that inning. Um, after Jared Walsh walk, Max Stassi, who has been on fire recently, and we'll talk about a little bit at the end of the series, comes up and continues to deliver. Into center field, hangs up, but not long enough to be caught. It's an RBI. The Angels add another, and they lead it. Mad Max keeps just... Hitting and hitting and hitting since getting healthy. Two to nothing. So two nothing real quick. You already like how it's going. Uh, Jose uh, Jose Iglesias would ground into a fielder's choice, which make it 3-0 on, on that fielder's choice. But then Juan Lagares comes up still in the first inning and gives Bundy all the run support he needs. Juan Lagares. Lagares into right field. Down for a base hit. The Angels lead it four to nothing. Oh, a two-out RBI feels good. 
And Sutton kind of said that there, two out RBI uh, does wonders, especially when it seems like those kind of opportunities are usually going against the Angels. So Angels up 4-0 at the end of the first inning. You had to be really feeling confident that Bunny's going to get his first victory in this game. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and especially since the uh, the kid that was starting for the Royals, Jackson Coar, was getting his first oh, yeah. major league start. Um, I don't think he made it out of the first, right? Yeah. Or the, yeah. I think uh, old friend Irvin Santana ended up coming into the game. But, um, yeah, it's nice nice to get those runs so early. Um, can't say I was 100% confident yet just because, you know, <laughs> you had the rest of the game and given how the bullpen's been. But, um, yeah, uh, that was that was definitely a nice nice pickup. Did you know I, – because I didn't. Did you know Irvin was on the Royals? Did you know he was still in Major League Baseball? No. I know that he had pitched maybe like two seasons ago for the Twins. Twins. That's the um, last I remember him. I didn't know he was on – the Royals until you're right until he, the, the kid got in trouble and they cut to um, they cut to the bullpen. And it's like, oh, wow, that's mm-hmm. the Irvin Santana who and they kind of mentioned it, too, during during the games, doing no hitter with the Angels back when the uh, against Cleveland right. know, a handful of years back. And, and I was really surprised he was still pitching. But, hey, good for him. He came in, and actually did a really good job. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't too bad. He kind of looked the same, uh, but still kind of pumping fastballs at a pretty pretty decent clip. So, yeah, I mean, he looked okay. We got a few runs off of him, so I'm not going to complain. <laughs> exactly. Well, in the second, Bundy would get in a little bit of trouble after a Solaire home run. Bundy gives up an RBI double to Hunter Dozier, and it makes it 4-2. to two. And I think at this point, myself included, and I think I might have actually put something on Instagram about Bundy and his 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 – he continues to struggle. He continues to – you know, be what he was last year, you know, is that a a situation of him just maybe still not healthy or do you think he's just kind of coming down to earth a little bit from last year? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, with the, with the 60 game season, it's kind of really hard to get a real glimpse into how anybody is really performing just because it's such a small sample size. I mean, I think we would have already wrapped up the season a couple of days ago if we were in another 60 game season. So so it's it's been a tale of two 60 game seasons really for Bundy so far, you know. Um so yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I mean, I think he's definitely his fastball is getting crushed a lot more. Um pretty much similarly to how he was getting hit hard when he was uh, with the Orioles. Um you know, his fastball gets absolutely crushed when he's not placing it and when he's not um setting that up with with some of his off-speed pitches that work really well. So yeah, um I don't know. He, he I, yeah. I don't know. It, it, yeah. And he seems, and you kind of mentioned too, he seems to be getting hit hard. Not all the, not all of them are leaving the yard, even though mm-hmm. it seems more of them than usual are. And even in this game, in the first inning, um, was it Keen Wong had to make a, an absolute, a great catch against the wall to rob a home run. Yeah. And the crazy part is that Keen Wong, that was literally his only, his second opportunity to make an out in the outfield in his whole major league career. Mm-hmm. And he has to jump to, to rob a home run, but it just seems like, Bundy is getting hit harder more than usual, and that's kind of something to look out for as the year goes on. But in the fourth, Fletcher would get that one run back with this uh, base hit. David on 3-2, ground ball, center field base hit. Here comes Lagares. He will score. 5-2 Angels. Fletch gets it done. So 5-2, obviously you get that run back, three-run lead. You're feeling a little more... um, confident at this point again uh bundy hasn't really been struggling after that second inning so i will give him that that whatever it seemed like it was bugging him or or trying to work something out he did end up settling down after that 
Yeah, for sure. Um, he ended up, you know, pitching a pretty decent game um, after that. And I, I was kind of surprised after getting hit so hard um, kind of in previous games. And then, you know, we're, you're talking about the the hard contact that was made in that first inning. Um, yeah, he was able to come through. And, and, you know, Wong has played, going back to Wong, he's played really well defensively. You know, he's made a couple nice catches even outside of that game out there in right field. Um, and that's the one thing that, you know, given – you know, the absence of Fowler, they've, they've been able to um, put some guys out there that can play good defense, whether it's Ward or, or Wong. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think Bundy ended up, uh, ended up with a nice, pretty nice line. I think he went six innings. Yeah. So Bundy ended up going five and two thirds, six hits, two earned runs. Again, those two earned runs were in the second inning. Um, no walks, only two strikeouts, but still, like you mentioned, a, a good outing of five and two thirds. So he does qualify for the win. And after this Matt Stassi home run, he, is all but guaranteed. Stassi, right field, well struck toward the wall. Max, gone. Wow, that ball carried. So at the end of five, it is seven to two. And that's pretty much, like I said, all they would need for Bunny to get his first victory of the year. They did end up adding a run later in the game off a of Bach. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know how often you see that, but um, it's kind of crazy. This game, and then I'll see the Tuesday game. Two box in the series. I can't remember the last time I seen a box, let alone two in one series. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, no, that's that's wild. That's wild. But um, yeah, Stassi continues to hit, man. I I, I put him back in my fantasy lineup there as my go. catcher um, <laughs> since since he's come back and he's he's kind of been carrying my fantasy team, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, he he hasn't let up really since uh, since last season. So uh, yeah, maybe we're looking at like a top five, top six, seven catcher uh, in the league. Really, if if he continues this all season, he's he's got to enter the conversation. So yeah, and I think two of the biggest two of the biggest questions offensively coming into this year was you know kind of the same question for two different guys. Jared Walsh did what he did in that last month was that for real, and it's looking mm-hmm. like it's pretty legit. And then now what Stasi did develop or developing his bat last year, was that for real? And it looks like, you know, staying healthy, mm-hmm. it is. And and you hope that, you know, for him, for Max, that it does, he does stay healthy because when he's on the field, you can definitely tell a difference. Yeah. Another guy that made his return in this game, he was activated in the Seattle series, didn't get on the mound, was Chris Rodriguez. Um, he did go an inning and a third, gave up three hits, one earned run. No walks, one strikeout, and like I said, this is his first appearance since May fifth. So, um, for fans like us and and you know people that know the bullpen has been struggling at times to see him back in that bullpen, how do you feel? Uh, kind of relieved, kind of you know maybe a little less weight weight on their shoulders. Oh, for sure. I think he gave up a couple hard hit balls, but other than that, he kind of got out of the inning without any kind of further damage. But yeah, it's great to see him come back. Um, uh, he got activated a few days before that appearance, I believe. And I was kind of wondering, yeah, maybe yeah. in the Seattle series, I was like, why haven't we seen C-Rod yet? But, um, yeah, he makes an appearance there. Um, and, yeah, g- great to have him back. Uh, electric arm, we we all know that. So Yeah, you kind of mentioned, too, you got hit hard twice in this, in this outing, and one of them obviously was for a run. But I think that's kind of normal with a kid coming back from an injury, maybe not necessarily trusting his stuff yet, or not even his stuff, but, like, the health part of it as far as like, okay, I, I got to make sure my, my shoulder doesn't hurt after this. But mm-hmm. um, like I said, it was great to see him out there and definitely will help this bullpen going, going further. Cause he is going to be a guy that can eventually get two innings, three innings, you know, right. you know, maybe in the future, maybe he does make a spot start at the end of the year or something like that, but a guy that definitely to keep an eye on, but the angels do win the Monday game eight to three to kick off the series against the Royals. Granted the Royals are, 
struggling. I think last time we had you on, we kind of talked about our top 10 from the first time we did it and the Royals are up there and obviously did not make the top 10 this, uh, this go around, but still a, a team that can take advantage of, of certain opportunities. And it just seemed like they weren't able to this game. So now, yeah, to- yeah, for sure. Go ahead. So no. So now we go to Tuesday's game um, against the, uh, against the Royals again. And in the bottom of the first, the only other home run I've seen hit this far that sticks out in my mind, it's a Joey Gallo home run that was about three years ago, one, three, three seasons ago, but Otani absolutely uncorks this. We'll get ready to bat. 2-2, he lifts this ball high, and he hits it deep out into right center field. It is way out of here. Tuesday night, bottom of the first inning. It's already showtime. 470 feet it was measured at um that was an absolute bomb when he hit it i was i was looking in the other direction for something i can't remember what it was mm-hmm. and when i heard that contact my head whipped around so fast and i even i was i think i even said a, like a loud whoa uh-huh. and i scared my i scared my wife because she was doing something <laughs> she was on her phone and she's like what i'm like just wait and then it just showed where that ball landed and that was that was crazy yeah, that that was wild. And yeah, going back to that, yeah, they did they mentioned it during the broadcast that the Gooby said it, it reminded him of a home run that Gallo hit off of I think Richards uh, a few yeah. seasons ago and, and ended up on that grass slope right there, right that next to kind of the, the seats over there in right field. But yeah, that's gotta be a, a one of the, the furthest home runs I've seen hit there. And obviously it's the furthest of Shohei's career so yep. far. So almost five hundred feet. Uh, makes me want to see him in the home run derby even more. So <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Is that you know, with with the home run derby being now in Colorado <laughs> at elevation, I think as a baseball fan in general, I would love to see that. As an Angel fan, with Trout out and him probably not coming back till after the All Star break, yeah, I, I you know I'm like Ugh, I'm kind of torn. But if I'm a baseball fan from Colorado and I just want to go out and watch it. I'm hoping he's out there. And that, like I said, that's like a month away. So yeah, hopefully we'll get an answer one way or the other soon. Yeah. It's tricky. Cause you want him to, you want him to participate. You want kind of the larger baseball world. I mean, the baseball world has already taken notice of him, but you want him to put on a show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tricky. Cause a lot of hitters sometimes will say that, Oh, the home run derby messes with your swing. And if there's anyone that's got kind of a wild kind of thing going on with his stance and his swing, it's definitely Otani. You know, there's times where he looks kind of bad at the plate, but, when he gets a hold of one, he really rips rips into it. So, um, I, I'm 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 siding for wanting to see him in the in the derby for sure. And I forgot the exact stat, but he's like top five in barrel rates mm-hmm. as far as you know uh, when he hits it. It's considered. I think a barrel's considered anything over like uh, eighty five or ninety miles per hour off the bat. And it's kind right. of interesting you say about the whole swing issue with. Um, the home run derby during this game on Tuesday. I don't know if you were able to get the feed or you end up getting the feed, but this was Gary Anderson and their player takeover. Yep. Who obviously won a home run derby in his time. And they kind of, you know, I don't think it was after this home run, but it did come up later when Otani was a bat as far as his approach, Gary Anderson's approach for a home run derby. And he, 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 who do you hear from? Oh, Troy Gloss, who did the year mm-hmm. before. And he said, just take your BP swings. That's all you need to do. Don't try to kill it or anything like that. And I feel if, Otani, if someone you know relays that message down to Otani, I feel like that too is all he would need um, to really compete in a home run derby like that. Where uh, just take your nice, easy uh, batting practice swings because I think he has enough already kind of easy power that he doesn't need to really you know 
try to hit it to the moon. I mean, for we would love that, but I don't think he needs to do all that to, to really compete in something like that. Yeah, I would love to see him also get in at bat and pitch like an inning in the All-Star game too and be in the home run derby. Maybe that's asking too much, but I think everyone would would love to see that. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and the GA thing, I don't know, if, like I said, I don't know if you were able to get that feed, but um that was a, that was a really cool. I, I like how they're doing bringing the older guys back. That's something that we've always talked about. Like why don't the Angels seem to embrace their past as much as a lot of other teams and it seems like this year at least in that way they are which is a lot of fun. yeah i caught parts of it they brought uh, figgins back and he had a lot of great comments about that world series team coming back um you know from that from being down like you know 19 and 30 or night whatever their record was i don't remember now but yeah oh one yeah or even to an oh one i think they said they lost uh like I think was it like 90 games or something like that to kind of bounce back. Yeah. I think at the end of Oh one, they were 40 games behind the athletics or something (laughs) like that. He said, yeah, which is crazy. So after that absolute bomb by Otani, the angels were up to, Oh, it would stay that way until again, this guy, Max Stassi comes up and hits another home two run home run in the third. And Max Stassi will be the next hitter. Here's the next pitch. He swings at that one and lifts that ball high and he hits it deep out to left field. It is out of here. Second night in a row, Max Stassi is homered. You hear Terry Smith mention it. Second home run in two nights. And what I like about it is that they're to opposite fields. You know, obviously one he went oppo and the one he he pulled down uh, to left field over the short wall. But still, I, I like the fact that he's using the whole field. And I think that shows his maturity as far as you know the uh, his at bats and and over the last couple of years yeah it's crazy i mean the astros really weren't able to tap into this version of max stassi i mean he was really kind of a backup catcher for them um and since coming to the angels yeah i know he had that one season when he first came over i think he came over in the trade for uh man i wish i remembered now but yeah as an astro not great and the last two seasons as an angel he's just been very more than I'd bargain for. So, Oh, definitely. I think he came over the middle of the season, like you said, in a trade. The rest of that season, the the 19 season, was kind of the same where he was struggling. I think he maybe batted like 220 or something like that. But then 2020 happened, which surprised a lot of people. Then obviously he's whatever he found out or, or, or worked out in 2020 is definitely translated uh, to this season. Again, just keeping him on the field, it, it makes a world of difference. But – Kind of speaking of the home run derby, it would, would continue for the Angels in this game uh, when Jose or when yeah when Jose Iglesias comes up later in the game. And the next delivery, this is lifted high in the air. This ball is going to get out as well. Iglesias has hit one out out to the bullpen area. And then later in that same inning, with two outs, we get another home run. This time from Justin Upton. Justin Upton will be the next batter. This was hit hard and deep to the gap in left center field. Upton looks up. This one's not coming back. Well, Upton's been hitting a lot of home runs lately, and he hits one here. Don't give it to so obviously, Upton, Iglesias, two home runs, two solo shots in the fourth inning. Um, the home run, the home run ball was huge this this game, and it was nice to see the Angels connect and get some hard hit balls. Yeah, yeah. When when uh, Iglesias, since coming back from that injury, I think there was a couple games where he started off and he was kind of he, he had a really bad game when he uh, when he first came back, struck out a couple times. But yeah, it's good to see him kind of bounce back and start to produce again. But yeah, when Upton Upton in that in that leadoff spot is, is a different guy. Weird. 
And I think I texted you. I was like, man, I, I can't remember a time where I've seen Upton take so many good pitches where like he'll take his walks now and, and he'll take his walks and then he'll connect with one. And when he connects, uh, he's probably got like a top five, top six, like prettiest swing in baseball when he really connects. It's just so, so fluid and nice and not too violent, just like really nice. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to see that Upton in the, in the leadoff spot. And you, you're right. You text me about the the, the walks and it's like, well, is that, it's like that's what the lead guy, leadoff guy does. He just, you know, gets on base how he can. You know, the traditional mm-hmm. leadoff guy. It's just nice to see that Upton is doing that, but is also able to do stuff like that where he's able to hit a home run. Um, I think, what, three home runs now are like in the first inning where he's like the legit leadoff guy. So, yeah, uh, it was kind of crazy when you saw that. I can't see them, you know, even though um, Fletcher, you saw him get an RBI hit earlier on Monday. Mm-hmm. Even though he seems to kind of be turning around a little bit in that ninth spot, I still can't see them taking Upton out of that leadoff spot for any, you know, anytime soon. As long as he's, like I said, like taking your, like you said, taking the walks and and hitting home runs. I mean, that's something that's really nice to have at any part of, of the uh, lineup for sure. Yeah, it reminds me of when Madden was the coach of the Cubs and he put Rizzo in the leadoff spot a few times, I think for extended periods. And Rizzo kind of really flourished in that leadoff spot too. So Madden's got something weird with like sluggers batting in the leadoff spot but yeah it's, it's worked out really well for for upton so far and i think you can tell that he he thrives off of it because he just feels a little different now um, yeah. and you can tell he likes it so yeah and, you know not this time obviously because the game was already in the fourth fifth inning but i don't know if it is like when he's a true leadoff guy in the first inning is it just maybe the pitchers aren't settled in you know they're you know especially with with the angels being the home team sometimes you know, the guy had to go warm up, sit in the dugout, and then come back out kind of deal, and he's able to take mm-hmm. advantage of that. I don't know, but um, whatever whatever it is, it's working. What's the saying? Uh, don't don't try to fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what the Angels need to do right now because it seems to be working great. So Andrew Haney, the starting pitcher in this game, end up going six and two, six and two-thirds, six hits, uh, one earned run, and that came in the seventh inning with two outs. So this was like really late in the game. I think they said even too on the, on the broadcast that this was his first time in the seventh inning recording an out. But when you're able to get, you know, like I said, six and two thirds, one run, two walks, seven strikeouts. I mean, that's an absolute great outing by Andrew Haney in this game. Yeah, it's it's you know for every two bad Heaney starts, we always get one of these starts. You know where he kind of really comes it comes up and just like really becomes kind of. Uh, really becomes kind of the ace of the staff, you know, every so often like this. But then, you know, he'll have a couple rough starts. So he'll have a couple average starts. Um, but yeah, he'll always he'll he he's got he's got like maybe three or four starts like this over the course of any season uh, where he comes out and is just dominant. So this is one of those starts where where Heaney kind of came out and did his thing, um, like he does a few times a year. So just yeah. would hope to see more of this, but. Yeah, I mean, well, like it, it does look like he whatever he has found something in the in his last three starts, he has gone eighteen and two thirds innings, so he's been out there quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Five earned runs. Opponents' batting average is two seventeen with seven walks and nineteen strikeouts. So hopefully, you know, like I said, that's the last three starts. Hopefully, whatever he found, it continues to grow. But you're right, I think with Heaney, it has been a consistency issue, just like with a lot of these pitchers. And we'll talk to Grip about Griffin Canning, you know, with the next game, but. Uh, it just seems like there's a great game in there with, with these guys. And all of a sudden the next one, you're kind of asking yourself, like scratching your head, like what happened? And so mm-hmm. um, it's great to get this win, get the confidence. I truly believe some of it is just confidence, you know, 
feeling that your stuff works and you know with a team that's been struggling on Kansas City maybe this is a perfect time to kind of build up that confidence but Taylor Ward um, also adds another home run late in the game in the eighth inning. Here's the pitch. This is hit well into left center field. It's traveling deep and it is out of here. Taylor Ward has just hit the fifth home run of the night for the Angels in this game. Yeah, so you heard it there. The fifth home run of the game. Three of them were two run home runs. And I kind of said it, I think, two podcasts ago or three podcasts ago. It's like, all these home runs are great. The Angels are hitting. But the majority of them are coming with no one on base. Yeah. You know, solo shots. And what's to say you can always, you know, solo shots won't kill you. It's the ones with people on. Right. Now that they're able to get guys on, it it obviously has expanded their, you know, I kind of mentioned it with some friends. This last series has been great for the um, uh, run differential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they've been – able to put up multiple runs and, and, and multiple home runs in games. And it's just great to kind of see now guys on base and the guys behind them taking advantage of it and, and hitting them, hitting a home run or getting them in. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I, I wonder about Ward, you know, he's, he's definitely shown a little more than I kind of expected. And he's kind of turned it up lately as well. Um, a little bit was showing a little bit of power and defensively. He's great. You know, I love seeing him out there in right, or he was in center. I think the last game, um, <laughs> So, you know, I wonder if there's a more of a kind of a backup role, even if even if guys like, um, you know, Trout come back, um, maybe it's a it's a mix of Ligaris and, and Ward out there in right field or whatever it may be. But um, as long as Upton stays hot and Trout comes back, we're really looking at right field as being kind of the open open spot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, Ward is Ward has been it's been pretty good. Well, like I, I don't think he's going to be a type of guy that gets a lot back in this situation. But like mm-hmm. you mentioned, you have Lagaris. When Trout gets back, you're going to have Lagaris. You're going to have Wong, which can be that fourth, you know, guy in a pinch can play outfield. You're going to probably eventually call up Joe Adele the way he's mm-hmm. killing in AAA. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Ward is one of those guys that the Angels kind of dangle out for maybe a team that needs some kind of offensive pop. You know, especially if he continues, obviously it, it all depends if he continues his kind of his hot streak right. and he's shown with every day at bats or close to every day at bats, what he can do. So um, I think he'll be a real guy, a really an interesting guy to, to see whether it's a sell or maybe it's the angels are buying. He'll be part of a package to bring some, a bigger name in. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where he fits in that situation because you are, you're right. You're going to have kind of an overload of outfielders once child gets back. And yeah. you know, once you think Ode- Adele's going to be ready and Wong mm-hmm. has seemed to show that he's fine there, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. They'll have to fit. They'll, I mean, it's a good problem to have when you have yeah. good depth pieces like that, but they'll, they'll have to figure it out for sure. So like I said, the angels win Tuesday night's game, uh, eight to one, Four in a three-game series, that means they are now automatically going to win the series, and that's been their biggest issue is winning series. Had a couple splits um, between the A's and the Giants and the Mariners, but now that they finally won a series, that's, that's really good. And now they go for the sweep on Wednesday night um, with Canning on the mound. Like, one of these guys, again, like we said, last outing, he went like three and a third, I believe, but that outing before that, he went into the sixth inning or he got mm-hmm. through six innings. So, again, one of those things where – he looks great, and then he struggles, and then this time he looks great. So um, how do you feel about Canning and his kind of um, maturity, I guess? Because he is still fairly young. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'll use this example. Gooby was mentioning that, and and uh, Cannon gets this comp a lot, where they compare him to uh, Trevor Bauer. And Gooby was saying on the broadcast the other night that it took Bauer a few years to kind of really develop into the guy he's been now. And you know, both UCLA products both kind of have a similar build, although Bauer's a little bigger now. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Canning is still kind of in that developmental phase where the stuff is really good and, you know, he'll go a couple innings where you're like, wow, you know, his stuff is looking great. He's striking out guys. Then he gets into a little bit of trouble, not trusting his stuff, as they say. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's somewhere in the middle of, of, of a developmental stage still a little bit. But um, I would say by next season, um, if we haven't seen more of a consistent kind of thing from him, uh, I'd start to get a little worried, but it might take another couple seasons before we really say, wow, he's like a solidified number two guy on this rotation now. So still still a year or two away from really figuring out kind of what kind of guy he is. But the, I think the potential is still there. I'm not I'm not down on him at all. Right. I think he's I think we still got to we there's still more to see with him. Yeah, and I think it's it's for, for him especially. And I guess this is kind of also on um, affects Andrew a little bit. Heaney. Mm-hmm. 2019 was really hard as far as the Tyler Skaggs passing. Those two guys were really close to him as far as guys in the rotation. Um, obviously, everyone knows how close him, uh, Tyler and Andrew were, but I think after, shortly after the passing of Tyler, Andrew or um, Griffin Canning kind of you know looked up to him and kind of was like picking his brain, kind of the guy he went to when he was having questions, and that hit him really hard. I think the first yeah. start after the Skaggs death, he was visibly emotional after the game. So in that 2019 season, I'm thinking, man, did he did he just not feel it that last half? And maybe that hinders the development a little bit. And then you got 2020, which is just kind of batshit crazy on its own. Did that, you know, hinder his development a little bit? And now you're back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Things are back to normal as far as um, playing every day and, and all that stuff. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see how that maybe maybe not again you won't know this until you, unless you talk to the guy but i can see a pathway to where maybe that kind of slow down his progression but now that everything's kind of back to normal um you know maybe he he kind of puts his foot on the accelerator a little bit and, and can develop and you and i love the comp to bauer for as much as i don't like bauer the guy mm-hmm. but like his first uh all-star game was at 27 right right you know exactly um so it's like all these pitchers are, I think Canning's 25, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. So who knows what he's going to be in two more seasons. He can very easily be an all-star in, in two seasons. Maybe not a Cy Young, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he is, um, if he is, you know, a, a all-star at that point. Uh, real quick shout out. Uh, I want to say uh, Wayne Knox watching from Wisconsin. That's cool. Um, didn't even know we had anybody in Wisconsin. So <laughs> shout out to, to Wayne. I really appreciate it. So getting back uh, to the game a little bit, like I mentioned, Griffin Canning on the mound, hoping to bounce back um, from his last start. And he would get in a little bit of trouble in that first inning, like you mentioned. It always seems like that first first or second inning, he, he takes a little while to get his command and get into the game um, with a leadoff single. He would end up getting the bases loaded with two outs, ends up getting out of the inning with a ground ball, but he does throw 24 pitches in that one inning, which is uh, not great if you're trying to go deep into games. At that point, did you think it would be a, a long game for the Angels? Yeah, I did. Um, 
Yeah, what inning did you say that was that he got that into was that the trouble? first inning of that game. Yeah, yeah, and then he he escaped it, um, kind of barely. But yeah, I I I wasn't I wasn't too high on him at that point. And then I think he had the second inning that was yeah. like eight pitches, eight pitches in the second inning, which kind of eat. I think I texted you or Chris. Yeah, like, well, that helps. That helps the average when you yeah, see it that for- way. Yeah, that was one of the most efficient innings that an Angels pitcher has had, a starting uh, Angel starting pitcher has had all season. So I, after that, I was like, hmm, okay, like this, we'll see what this you know, <laughs> this looks better. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like when you get that eight inning, and then now you're looking at what is it going to be like, you know, 32 pitches over two innings still isn't great, but considered the alternative, what it could have been, yeah, definitely yeah. A, a, a plus in Canning's outing. So, it was stayed 0-0 all the way to the bottom of the third when Anthony Rendon comes up. Here's Rendon at the plate. And here it comes on Rendon. He swings, lifts it in the air in the right center field. Chasing after it are the outfielders. And that ball is going to bang off the wall. That's going to score a pair. Well, he didn't hit a homer, but he drives in both runners. It's 2-0 Angels. So Anthony Rendon seems to be heating up now. Something that Angel fans have been waiting for mm-hmm. for a while, and some of these injuries have kind of slowed that process. But Anthony Rendon really starting to step up right now and be that RBI guy that the Angels need. Yeah, it's been tough. You know, he was put on the IL twice early, very very early on in the season. With you know, he fouled something off. He fouled the ball off his shin, and I think he had a groin injury at some point before that. But yeah, he's he's hopefully finally getting into it. I feel like we've said it a couple of times now. Like, oh, this might be the time when Rendon turns it around. Or two weeks later, oh, this might be the time he's starting to turn it around. So hopefully this is the time now because um, he's still young. He's still kind of in his prime. Um, so, yeah, you expect the production to go up, uh, you know, maybe when the – I don't know. Maybe as the summer months come on, he's, he turns it up a little bit. But, yeah, you, hopefully this is a this is kind of the start of a, of a, of a stretch here for him. And it's crazy. And you kind of mentioned it earlier where if this was another COVID season, if you will, this season would be over. It would be Mm -hmm. at 32 games or close to it now. And we would never see this Rendon as far as him heating up and getting base hits because the season would be over. Right. So, you know, another thing where it showed last season was so kind of compacted and you didn't get to see Mm -hmm. the real players, you know, for the most part, because like you said, you know, we're at sixty something games now, and this game, the season would be over right now if yep. it was, if it was back then. So, again, he gets the game, uh, he gets the Angels up 2-0. Canning would give up one run in the top of the fourth, and it would stay that whole way until the sixth inning, uh, when the Angels, uh, you know, busted right open first with this Iglesias at bat to the right side, down for a base hit. For sure, one scores. Iglesias hurrying on around. They will stop the runner at third. It's two bags. It's an extra run. Three to one, Halos. So obviously then the next batter, Keen Wong, gets his first multi-RBI game of of his career with this base hit right here. Fights that one off. Base hit center field. Here comes one. Iglesias will head to the plate. Wong drives in a pair. So at this point now, uh, it's five to one. Angels take the lead. Um, we kind of mentioned him a little bit. King Wong again. Um, Colton Wong's little brother, and it seems like he's now trying to make a little name for himself. And he's actually doing, uh, like you mentioned, a really good job, not only in the field but coming up with with base hits at, at, at good at good times, um, getting on base and stuff like that. Looks like a guy that is definitely a a utility type that you definitely need around a team and on a team that that wins. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's come up big on, you know, we were saying earlier, a few defensive plays out there in right field. I mean, he robbed that homer during that Bundy start, and then he comes up comes up really big here with this with this knock to, to drive in, too. So, um, yeah, he's, he's kind of a nifty little player. Uh, nice piece to have, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, if they can get if they can get anything like this from him, um, I think that'd be a bonus. Yeah, definitely a guy that shows that he should be up and stay up. And right. uh, when some of these decisions now, when Trout comes back, who the DFA or, or, or send mm-hmm. down, like he's making it really hard for um, the angels to send him down. He's been really uh, productive and, and, and really good in the outfield as well. Um, Kang would end up going six and two thirds, giving it five hits, just the one run in the, I believe in the fourth, two walks, six strikeouts, missed a lot of bats too. I think I noticed that too. He, he, his whiff rate was, was up there quite a bit. So he was, after that first inning, he seemed to really be kind of locked in after that, but another good outing by Canny. He would get the W. Angels would add one more run in the eighth on, on a fielder's choice, so the final score was 6-1. to one. Angels sweep the Kansas City Royals, and I don't care who it is. Sweeping a team, you know, uh, is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's the first sweep of the season, so extra kudos to the Angels for getting their first series sweep. Um in June. So yeah, it's, it's been that kind of, it's been that kind of year, but um, it's, it's uh, yeah, but yeah, great, great, all, great all around. Um, and and, and couldn't, couldn't have come to a, a, a team that kind of has had the angels number obviously in recent seasons, like the Royals. So um, always good to sweep the Royals. Yeah. And you, you even think about it too, the series that was played early in the year um, in Kansas city, I mean that was a hard hard series for the Angels too. I think they they lost I think they lost two to one in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, Perez was killed him the whole Salvador Perez killed him the whole series in that yes in that, or the whole time in that series, and it just seemed like they were able to hold those type of guys, their big guys, to limited damage. And I think you needed that. And you know, for for as much talk as the starters get with the Angels, and understandably. In the series, uh, you got 19 innings pitched, 17 hits, four only four earned runs, four walks, and 15 strikeouts uh, from the starters in this series. I mean, you'll take that every single time. That That's a great series for starters. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, beating up on these bad teams to really kind of get things rolling, even against kind of the better teams that they're going to face down the line. You know, you build up confidence like this exactly. for your starters and the team. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great, great series to kind of lean on and and move forward on, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, you, you put up runs on the board. Starting pitchers probably feel a little more relaxed. They go a little bit deeper. And it's crazy because the bullpen only had to pitch eight innings in those three games. And it's, it, 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 it changes everything when the bullpen doesn't have to come in in the fourth. Right, right, right. Yeah, these guys have been taxed pretty pretty heavily so far this season. So um, it's great not to see, you know, Steve Ciszek every game. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, definitely nice. So, again, uh, great series by the Angels. They sweep the Royals off today, Thursday night, as we record this, and on their way to Arizona uh, this weekend, which is a good thing. Another team that's been struggling, and if they sweep, they're at 500. Or I think mm-hmm. there might be a game above 500. But um, Otani on the mound Friday, you know he's going to bat. NL rules. How much are you looking forward to that? Yeah, huge. Um, you know, this is a team that I don't think has seen Otani. I don't remember the last time we played the D-backs, honestly. But I don't know if they've seen Otani. At the same time, we haven't really seen much of their guys. Um, that always 
concerns me a little bit as bad as the Diamondbacks are with uh, playing a team with some pitchers that, you know, a lot of these angel players probably haven't seen. That always kind of concerns me a little bit that these guys might be able to go deeper into games. But the, the, there's no there's no um, there's no faking it. You know, the D-backs are right. bad. They're really bad. <laughs> um, so, you know, the Angels need to come out of this with a sweep. Um, I feel like the Angels haven't been two games under 500 in weeks. Um, so to, to, to come out above 500 in this series at the end of the series would be huge, especially going into Oakland, I think is the series after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So you have Friday Otani's on the mound in Arizona. That's a regular six thirty start Saturday. You have Alex Cobb on the mound, a guy that who has been seen to be getting better and better since coming back from that blister. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a one o'clock start. And then Patrick Sandoval, one o'clock start on Sunday. Uh, I like the angels matchups as far as pitching, you know, two guys, three guys actually with Otani, um, that have all coming off of good starts, all coming off of, um, you know, and, and Cobb's and Cobb's, you know, talking about him, a couple good starts. Yeah. Um, Otani gives you the automatic advantage. You're going to be pretty much putting your regular lineup out there. You don't have to worry about it. So you're kind of playing NL versus AL rules with a DH. So that's that should give the Angels an advantage also. But um, Sandoval, you know, from everyone saying, it can put the ball over the over the fence a little bit, taking BP at Angel Stadium um, on Wednesday before the game. So we'll see how, how that goes. But I really like the Angels' uh, matchups coming into this series for sure against Arizona. Yeah, Cobb especially, I'm looking forward to his start after that gutsy outing that he had last time around where he gave up that grand slam. And then that was kind of all the damage he gave up. And then he kind of really settled down after that um, and, and had one of the gutsier starting pitch, uh, you know, starts of, of uh, recent memory for the Angels. So, yeah, excited to see him maybe build off of that a little bit and, and see where that goes. Sandoval, I think his last outing was pretty good as well. Um, so, have, you know, excited to see what he, what he continues to do and, and hopefully keep building off of the talent that he has. Yeah, definitely. Another one of those young guys that you hope, like Canning, um, can continue to develop and, and move forward with the development as the year goes on. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the City Connect jerseys and then obviously a little bit about uh, the sticky situation, if you will, uh, MLB finds itself with the foreign uh, substance. We'll be right back after this. You work hard and you play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteak.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it super easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash-frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family while enjoying steakhouse-quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter-tender filet mignon, Kansas City strip, juicy steak burgers, all-beef jumbo hot dogs, and even a complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your home this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD. That's KansasCitySteaks.com, promo code SD. Again, that's KansasCitySteaks.com, promo code SD. Sports, culture, takes. Takeline has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy Award winner Jason Compression and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. 
That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, conversations, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. And we are back again. Thank you for the sponsors. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about these City Connect uniforms. The newest one just dropped, uh, I believe, earlier this week. Uh, so let's kind of look at some of them that come have come out already. And the first one uh, we can look at real quick, I think it is in order, is the Boston Red Sox. Um, what are your initial thoughts about the Boston Red Sox and the, the City Connect uniforms uh, they put out? Yeah, these ones um... – don't really say Red Sox to me. You know, it says no. like UCLA to me, especially the cap. Because um, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the Bruins use the same kind of yeah. uh, styled B. And it's it's straight up UCLA colors. Um, I don't want to be too insensitive because I think this is tied to like the marathon, marathon, Boston Marathon or something. Those are the marathon colors. Like the car- I guess the, the marathon always has these this color scheme or, or something. Like right. That. So, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan, definitely not a fan, but at the same time, if they want to kind of represent the city and kind of call back to the marathon and, and, and obviously the, the tragedy that happened a few years ago, I think that's great. Um, but uh, not my favorite. Yeah, and, and I think the hat has something to do with it. Like the jerseys itself aren't bad, mm-hmm. but the hat, I wish they would have picked a different, you know, logo for Boston. Or, right. or you know, maybe if it wasn't the B, because you're right, as a football fan that lives in Southern California, <laughs> the, the first thing that I saw when I was looking up, I'm like, is that the Boston hat or is that a UCLA hat? I wasn't sure. So, um, yeah, I wish they would have maybe picked, I don't, I don't know how, it might have looked weird with a Sox logo. And that's still that color scheme, but with that yeah. E, it just seems like it's too UCLA for me. And it's just kind of like, and I'm guessing too, but if you're in Boston and you see it, you're in Boston. You probably don't even think of UCLA. So I can see how probably over there it's a totally different story. I think I think what they could have done too is they could have made the pants yellow too. I think that would have been fire. <laughs> I think that would have been all banana. All yeah. Savannah bananas. But yeah. That's <laughs> they would, I mean, adding maybe some or like maybe pinstripes to the – because I think the or white – blue color. Like even if maybe they go baby blue. Yeah. You know, that, baby have blue is popular. that baby blue is really popular in yeah. baseball right now. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And you've seen an all blue Jersey with, um, I mean, the Rangers, the, the Royals, the, the blue Jays. I think I'm probably missing like one or two other mm-hmm. teams that have like an all blue, uh, uniform. And I think I like that. So I wonder if they would have done a blue pants. It would look better, but yeah, that is the Boston city connect. The next ones that came up, came out after them, Ones that I really like, um, the Miami Marlins. And this is kind of a throwback to the uh, Havana Sugar Kings, I think, is what this the, – it was a minor league team in Cuba, you know, uh, I think in the 80s or maybe even the 70s. And it was kind of a throwback to that. Uh, the Red Tots with the white pinstripes, this is probably my favorite out of the ones that have come out already. Wow, nice. Yeah, this is probably my third favorite. The, the, the Red Sox one is probably my least favorite. This is probably the, the next one up from that. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that there was that connection to the um, to that Cuban minor league team or that Cuban affiliate. Um, so that's that's a cool connection. Um, I do like the cap a lot. I, like I think the cap, the cap yeah. is super nice with the MM and that crown. Yeah. Um, 
not too big of a fan of the actual kind of red jersey with the to me the red and that that blue kind of clash a little bit on that jersey and the white but um the pinstripes are interesting too because the pinstripes are kind of like really spaced out more than you would normally see on like a pinstripe jersey oh yeah okay so that's that's different um but yeah this is probably my third favorite out out of the bunch yeah so again this is the miami marlins um like I mentioned, the Sugar King, the Sugar Kings, I believe it was the name. I think that's why they have a crown. And then there's a little patch on the side, too, mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, it's a throwback. And I, and I understand, like, you know, the City Connect with the Boston Marathon, the Sugar King. So I like the fact that they are trying to maybe find historical stuff or, re- or you know, stuff that connects the city, like the, like the title says. But, um, yeah, I really – I don't know why. I just like that red and, and, and maybe it is because the pinstripes are a little bit different and they're not – like you mentioned, there are spread out a little bit, so it is different. That caught my eye, but yeah, that was the Miami Marlins. Um, and the next one that came up after that, the all black Chicago White Sox. Um, this is actually really nice too. Um, <laughs> I should have put a picture of up of uh, uh, Larusa wearing his hat. <laughs> I think that would yeah. be great. I should have found a photo of that, but um, yeah, because it does have that kind of South Side. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I want to watch out where you're wearing this kind of jersey <laughs> and what neighborhood you're in kind of feel to it. But, um, you know, I like the black on black. I talked to a buddy of mine. I was on the um, suddenly the podcast mm-hmm. when, when this came out and they kind of and they're baseball guys. So it's like, oh, man, it reminds me of softball uniforms. Like, I don't care. That black on black is nice with the yeah. white pinstripes. I, I, I liked it. It's not too different. Like the, like the first two we saw and then the next one we're going to see with, with the Cubs are completely different from what they normally wear. Right. This one seems like it's still kind of connected or still really close to what they normally wear on, on any other given a game. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it, right. Cause I mean the, the previous two kind of um, kind of go away from the team's usual colors, but this one right. really kind of like plays into the white Sox colors. This is probably my favorite city connect Jersey so far. Um, it's just super slick. Um, the cap is really nice. Like cap, yeah. Um, if I were if I were White Sox fans, I would ask them to kind of use this cap because you could use this cap with their regular jerseys and it would still be like super nice. Um, and this, the whole South Side thing is, yeah, it's kind of like, a, you know, where are you from type? type yeah. vibe. <laughs> right? so, definitely, definitely repping South Side for sure. It's, you know, right across our chest. But yeah. I love these. I really love these. I think these are super nice. And you're right too. With with the other previous two, with the Marlins and and uh, the Boston, like you can't wear those hats with a reg with their regular jerseys. But yeah, you're right. It could be very very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago could wear these on any game in you know in August or or whatever July. Yeah, the regular uniforms because I, I like that shy. I like how. You know, that that works perfectly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not bad. This is probably my second favorite one um, <clears throat> of the City Connect ones that came out so far. Um, I believe the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and I want to say San Francisco is still left this season. I know. Or that are, those, are those the other ones that are rolling out just for this year? This year, yeah. So okay. I think that the plan is is that over the next like. Through three years, like every team's going to have one, and they're going to do like right. a handful per year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how some of these other teams incorporate their cities, especially like a team like Arizona, where it doesn't seem like it has a lot of mm-hmm. history. What they're going to do and and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know, put a big ass cactus in the front. I don't know, but <laughs> that's something to kind of look out for. So the most recent one that came out, 
again, this was uh, this week. Uh, it's the Chicago Cubs, so the other Chicago team. Um, I, the blue is growing on me. I wasn't a huge fan of it at first, but I love the hat. And then the kind of the dark blue with the light blue is definitely growing on me. Yeah, they they really kind of took advantage of the baby blue thing being really popular um, in the league right now. This is probably my second favorite one. Uh, I like how the navy blue is kind of on the pants and on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Wrigleyville thing looks super nice. I, it's kind of shaped in the sign of, of um, Wrigley Stadium, or yeah, I think the uh, it's kind of in that kind of arched shape. The cap is cool. I think those colors and that star, I think that's like the the flag of the, the flag, city. Yeah. The star, like the star, I think if you look at the city's flag, there's like three stars in the middle. Just, right. There, there, there's... There, there are colors on the top, bottom, I think white in the middle, and there's like three stars in the middle of the flag. And I think that star is kind of all over, not all over, but it's like it's there. Yeah. There's a side patch with it on and stuff like that. So I like, again, they're incorporating a lot of things that you would see around the city. Yeah. So, yeah, I like this one. I think it's probably my second favorite one. Nothing too spectacular, but I just think I just think it's it's pretty solid. I, I, I this is a this is a jersey they could probably wear pretty often. Yeah, I, I, I'm be interested to see that too because every team that has had one so far has worn it for like a weekend. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if these are going to come back around next year, or maybe down mm-hmm. the line, or if it is a truly just like a one and done kind of deal, just to just to sell jerseys and get more merchandise out there. But I really yeah. like the hat. I like the colors of the hat. I like the, again the star in the middle of the sea. But this is probably my second favorite hat or second favorite uniform uh, or eh, third. So I would probably go I, for me. I would probably go Miami number one, Chicago two, Cubs three, and um, Boston four. Okay, right. How would you? How would you? Yeah, for me, I got um, the I got the White Sox, I got the Cubs, um, I got the Marlins, and then I got the the Red Sox probably. Yeah, in that in that order. So it'll be interesting to see what they come out. It's cool. I like it. It's fun. It's different. Um, as Angel as an Angel fan. What is and again, I don't not sure what year theirs are gonna come out. I I do know for sure it's not this year. What what would you like to see them do? What would you color wise? Is there is there anything in the Anaheim area that you would want them to kind of emphasize? Yeah, I mean I growing up in Orange and around the stadium, um, you know, for most of my life before I moved up here, um it's weird. There's not, I'm trying to think of things. I mean, orange and, and Anaheim are kind of known for Disneyland, obviously. Um, but I would have loved, I would love to see them bring back kind of the Navy blue, um, part of the angels uniforms from like the nineties. Um, you know, even like the CA maybe call back to California a little bit, uh, the California angel time period. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just tired of the red and the white. I want to see them bring back the Navy a little more. Yeah, I wish they would get into the Navy a little bit more as well. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, if they maybe go – like there's Wrigley or Chicago, I should say, both Chicagos for that matter, have mm-hmm. kind of held to their primary colors, especially Chicago uh, Cubs – or not Cubs, uh, White Sox. Um, but the other two, Florida and – Boston have not at all. So I'm wondering if, you know, now it's kind of a, maybe they don't even have a blue. Maybe they don't even have a red. Maybe they, right. you know, maybe they orange, you know, orange grows. Maybe, I don't know. But it'd be really interesting to see how the Angels kind of idea. I wish I got to figure out who's in charge of if 
the Angels are in charge of designing it or if MLB is in charge of designing it and see. Yeah, it's probably some sort of collaboration between Nike and <clears throat> and the city. Um, and yeah, it, it reminds me because the, the NBA has these city connectors, these, right? right? Where and, and I feel like the NBA teams wear them probably way too much. I feel like every time I watch an NBA game, <laughs> one of the teams is wearing them. But yeah, it's probably a collaboration between the team and, and Nike. Yeah, so again, uh, four out so far. I think there's another three or four left for the season. Maybe they're going four pre-All-Star break, four after All-Star break. But it's, again, it's a cool little thing. Uh, really interested to see where the Angels go from for theirs, and that's going to be a little bit down the line. So another thing making news in baseball you know, this week and the last couple weeks, honestly, is the foreign substance issue as far as pitchers using it to get an advantage on – uh, a baseball. Um, one of the things that went viral this last week was Garrett Cole when asked, um, has he used spider tech, which is a um, adhesive for, I guess, bandages to, do you understand what the spider tech stuff is like what it's supposed to be used for? All I know is that when you Google spider tack, uh, one of the, the autofills comes up is how do I take spider tack off of my hands or how do I remove spider tack? So like, <laughs> the fact that major leaguers are using that substance and it's like hard. Apparently, you got to Google like how to get it off your fingers. Right. That's crazy to me. It's it's like in, it's supposed to be like industrial strength grip, basically. So, uh, yeah. So, Garrett Cole, um, hopeful angel at one point, now New York Yankee got asked point blank in a press conference earlier this week if he used uh, spider tech and this is his response I don't I don't know I, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know quite I don't quite know how to answer that to be honest um, I mean there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and, uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. So is that a yes or is that a no? Um, yeah. If you watch that video, and I've watched it a couple times now before this, that first pause, I think it's like six seconds. And the first, the very first time I watched it, I thought my phone froze <laughs> to where a point to where I got out and like refreshed the page. I'm like, oh, I didn't get services buffering. Can I me re, you know, re, re, refresh the page? And then I see him blinking. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's just him pausing. <laughs> yeah. When you hear that response from Garrett, you know, obviously, he, and I don't want him to may, be made out like as the villain or the only one that uses it because we know it's so prevalent mm -hmm. through Major League Baseball. But you would have to think he knew something like this was coming, a question like this. 
and right. so unprepared was kind of shocking to me. But what was your first takeaway from watching this interview or this question? Not even the full interview, but this this question. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that he's like hiding something that he's he's kind of skirting the question. He and he then he tries to recover and kind of talk about how oh it's, it's there's certain things that have been passed down and i don't know his question is just a, really a train wreck um he kind of <laughs> hopped around a little bit um going between diff- trying to change the subject and trying to kind of deflect a little bit you can so almost kinda- see like a hamster in the wheel like cranking like okay what do i say now what do i like you can see him going through the process of like can't say that yeah can't say that okay let me say this to buy me some time okay i'm gonna say that it was it was odd to see a professional athlete, period, not be prepared for a question. Because if you spend any time around like PR people or, or mm-hmm. watch any kind of interview, these guys are, are normally ready for these kind of things, whether it's a truthful answer or just a simple, you know, I don't know. That's something I have to think about later. Like, you know, some, a general response. But you never see a guy like really struggle. so off guard. Yeah, you, you, yeah, it makes you think about um, kind of the Yankees PR people and, you know, kind of prepping them, you know, like, hey, this this sticky substance stuff is like a hot topic. We're probably going to be asked about this. Gary Cole has been implicated with stuff like this. There was the guy that worked for the Angels in the clubhouse that yeah. apparently was supplying some of this sticky stuff to Visitors. people like like Gary Cole. Yeah. I think they even called out Gary Cole in that article or wherever that whatever that was. Um, basically, like they have a text from Cole to the guy that worked for the Angels saying, "Hey, can I get some of that stuff?" Or, "Hey, do you have any of that stuff?" So he's definitely like you know uh, the Barry Bonds of um, <laughs> you know of of the sticky substance stuff in terms of, 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 of rumors and, and allegations and stuff. So to not be prepared, you know, even if your PR team isn't preparing you for him himself, as, as, as you know, people know that he's kind of the guy, the poster child for that kind of substance for him not to even like come prepared is, is kind of shocking. You're right. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it just seems like he's not telling the truth. It seems like he's, he's, he's hiding something. He didn't even give a firm answer. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting, but he came out last night and pitched really well. Yeah, so um, we think maybe he's not using the substance, but he still pitched really, really well. I don't know what his if if his spin rates or, or not went down, but um, yeah, and that, and that's kind of the main reason why too he even got asked this question at a certain point is because the start before Wednesday night, and and at the time that's when the whole. Um, rumor or you know it could be even more so than a rumor around baseball as far as mlb coming out and say hey we are going to be really stringent on this rule as far as checking pictures and make sure they don't have anything in their glove on their hand on their cap all that mm-hmm. stuff and it came back that his spin rate from a previous start was way down like way down and that's kind of why he got asked this question and you mentioned before you played the twins last night did really well yeah. um I don't have the spin rate numbers on it from him, but you did see some kind of a spin rate decline from Dylan Bundy this last start. Obviously, you know, he was able to kind of work through it, but part of me thinks is like some of these pitchers are going to have to now learn to adjust without this extra stuff. You know, maybe that's what it was. Maybe Bundy needed a two or three innings to kind of get used to not having whatever it was, whether it's the spider stuff or the super glue or whatever. I mean, you have, you hear a bunch of different uh, stuff that they use. So Mm -hmm. how do you feel about the whole foreign substance issue or, or that whole topic? 
Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, players, obviously, it's been known, have used Sunblock, have used Rosin and, you know, a mix between Rosin and Sweat and Sunblock or, you know, whatever it is and put it on their arm and get a little bit, you know, a lot of times you'll see a lot of pitchers' arms are like, wow, that arm looks shinier than just like Sweat, <laughs> right? So, right? So we know that they've used substances like that. And but when you take it to the level of like a spider tack or there's one called, I think, like Pelican Grip as well, where it's just like, the substance is so intense and so used for such industrial purposes that it's it's kind of uh, kind of crazy. And and I think uh, Josh Donaldson has come out and said that he has a lot of footage of of, of pitchers doing this and using this substance. Yeah, he's gonna put out a book after he's done playing or something about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think people have zoomed in on on certain pitchers' kind of fingers kind of getting stuck together <laughs> and and kind of hard to kind of un, unstick. So. As soon as you get to that and, and kind of the increased um, uh, spin rates that you see and the decreased offense, um, I remember the first month or so this season, it seemed like every pitcher was like putting up like 10 or 11 Ks uh, each start, um, especially a lot of the Angels pitchers. And there was kind of a decrease in offense and there's been a decrease in offense kind of across the board. So I think it's a matter of kind of leveling the playing field again. I think the pitchers have gotten too good. Um, so, you know, there's always this back and forth where the hitters are too good and the, then the pitchers are too good. And then we're trying to find the right way to do it. You know, MLB, you know, uh, doctors, the ball, and then gives us a new ball last season to try to, you know, cut down home runs. So it's this constant kind of back and forth. (laughs) It's this constant back and forth of the pitchers being too good and then the ball flying too far. So it's like, it's a stance that the, that the league has to play, but I think the league has definitely has to crack down. Um, Cause yeah, I think, I think the pitchers are, are like, it's crazy. We see, we see balls move like we've never seen them before. So. Yeah. And someone's, I forgot who it was, but kind of compared to like wiffle balls. Like if you mm-hmm. ever throw a wiffle ball and you know how to throw it, that thing, you know, breaks, like it feels like breaks like three feet. You know what yeah. I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. I think, I, th- I believe it was Jeff Passens on on a on a ESPN podcast said, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the drug situation. It's like for California and some other states, like okay, we'll legalize weed, okay, so you can use like you know rosin and uh, uh, you know uh, suntan lotion or whatever, sunblock mm-hmm. or whatever, because that's mm-hmm. cool. That's like weed. Yeah. But when you start using, like I said, the spider <laughs> tech, and it's like, but we're not legalizing like you know heroin like that right. you know it's like okay let's drugs are drugs correct but it's like we'll legalize weed it'll give you this but doesn't mean you go out and you can start you know doing the other stuff and i think that's what mlb has to do is like you do need something i think pitchers do need something to for 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 a little bit extra grip yeah but i think they're kind of you know it kind of like that's like the new steroids now it's like right you can use supplements to help your body recover use certain supplements to help your body gain mass or, or, mm-hmm. or muscle but it's like once you start shooting you know steroids into you that's crossing the line i think that's kind of the same situation nlb is in right now is trying to find that okay we'll give you this but you can't go over here and use that kind of thing right right exactly and i think they gotta it'll be interesting to see how they roll out kind of the and, and enforce enforce it too because in, in previous instances we've seen pitchers at random uh umpires go up to them and say oh let me see under your hat and then oh, okay what's this what's this and then you're out of here you know it's okay. like there was never a rhyme and reason for why an umpire would check pitchers in the past and it was kind of really random and kind of strange so i think it's going to have to be enforced kind of league-wide and with everyone but it'll be really interesting to see how they're able to enforce it and um and and you know that sort of thing so was it was the rule was 
you know, they check the other pitcher when the, you know, opposing manager asked them to. So mm-hmm. pretty much you had to get a complaint from the other team before the umpire goes out there. But nine times out of 10, the, umpire, the other team never wanted to do it because they knew their guy was doing it. Right. Now with the whole, you know, MLB new theory behind it is like, okay, now umpires, you have the jurisdiction. You don't have to worry about, you know, manager X saying, go check it out. Now you can do it on your own kind of deal. So that's going to be, again, interesting. And a lot of talk came out of like, I think three or four minor leaguers got caught with this mm-hmm. foreign substance. They got to spend 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if, if it's going to be 10 games, which for pitchers is two starts, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that could, you know, deter some guys from using some of that extra stuff. Like I mentioned, maybe they let them slide on the pine tar or not pine tar, the, um, you know, rosin and sunblock, even though right. nine times out of 10, the game started like at six 30 or later. I don't know why you need sunblock. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I agree. Like the, the spider tech or the Pelican grip or whatever you're talking about to the other stuff, or mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. here, super glue. Um, yeah. That stuff is kind of crazy. Cause then, yeah, that too also too adds extra drag to the ball that is making that thing even break even further. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of plays out the rest of the year with Major League Baseball and the pitchers and even so forth. Like the players' union, because half the players' union is all for it, and the other half of the players' union isn't for it because they're pitchers. So that's going to be right. really see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting, especially with the collective uh, bargaining agreement coming up at the end of the year with the Players Association and MLB. That's going to be know, both, both sides hate each other, and this is going to be kind of another – another topic that they'll probably, you know, go at each other after. So more drama, but yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they start enforcing this for sure. And, and when. Yeah. And when, and rumors have it this next week, rumors have it two weeks from now. So mm-hmm. um, definitely keep an eye out for it. Some say after the all-star break, give guys kind of a, a chance to, I guess, slowly get rid of it, but you know, we'll see what happens. So yeah, that's some of the bigger news that had it happened in major league baseball this week. Um, but before we go, I'm going to bring this up one more time. Well, not one more time, but this today, and I'm sure you'll hear from us a couple more times, our fundraiser out in the city of Fullerton on June 26th. It's a Saturday, uh, Barrow and stave, uh, poor house, Again, that's in Fullerton, 250 West Santa Fe Avenue, Unit 20, Fullerton, California. From the hours of 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., 10% of the proceeds will be going to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation and how it got organized again. The Bearded Villains of the Inland Empire um, organized this. Johnny was part of that chapter, the Bearded Villains in the Inland Empire. He was part of that chapter. They knew him well. There was pretty much a second family and they wanted to do a fundraiser to, to in Johnny's name. And they knew what we did here at Halo Haven and Angels Pink podcast with the Tyler Skaggs foundation. So they want to do this fundraiser uh, and donate the money in the name of, of Johnny Mags. Um, again, that's Saturday, June 26, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. 10% goes to the Tyler Skaggs foundation from that day. We will be there. Chris and I will be there. Um, hopefully to see you there, but we are not only going to have um, obviously the beer there and, and talking and, and, and kind of sharing stories, stuff like that, which we're really looking forward to, but we're also going to do a little bit of a giveaway and I'm going to solo in on uh, 
myself here for it. But uh, some of the giveaways we are going to do is I was able to uh, meet up with Brandon Marsh in Vegas. So we have a, let's see if my light sign ball by Brandon Marsh. Um, we are also from uh, Keenan Sunglasses. We have a pair of sunglasses to uh, raffle off. Again, these are probably retailed around, I got to look it up, probably like $180, $200 sunglasses. So uh, we have also a four ticket, four tickets with parking for an angel game, a season ticket holder that, you know, became buddies with this through this process, through Halo Haven, through the All Angels podcast, has said that he would donate his tickets for a night of the game. Uh, again, that's four tickets. Uh, take the family out. Free parking. Uh, tickets are great. I should have uploaded a photo. So next time we have a podcast, I will upload a photo from his seat. Um, they're definitely great. So check it out. Come down. Again, really looking forward to meeting a lot of people that have asked us, when are we going to be in Orange County? When are we going to do anything? Uh, this is a perfect opportunity for it. So again, that's Saturday, June 26th. 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And I'm sure we might be hanging around a little bit after that, but that 11 to 4 window is, is, is vital. That's the money goes from during that time goes to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. And um, you know how much we have been, we support the Tyler Skaggs Foundation and uh, how much we are, are close to them. And it, and it means a lot for the uh, bearded villains of the Inland Empire to kind of organize this and let us kind of piggyback off of it and kind of do our own thing with it as well. So, Really looking forward to it. Again, like I mentioned, won't be the last time you hear about it. We're honestly trying to get as many people there as we can now that stuff is kind of opening up uh, more and more uh, through this month. So definitely check it out again. That's Saturday, June 26th in the city of Fullerton, 250 West Santa Fe Avenue, Unit 20. So definitely come and check it out. So, Mike, thank you again for pitch hitting for Chris. Really appreciate it. You're always, always welcome on here. Always have a good time uh, talking baseball and Angels baseball with you. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. You can give me a follow at Chewing Cast. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Always good to talk Angels. Definitely check it out. Definitely check out his social media. Always uh, tweeting stuff. Uh, really, really, really fun to engage with on Twitter and stuff like that. So um, again, he kind of does more of the baseball, baseball stuff, but he also throws a little bit of Angel stuff in there as well. So. For Mike, I am Daniel. This has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
gate. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.